Hi, I'm Katherine Gallagher. I'm Jan Pesson. And this is Bitchin' About Food. Jan, I'm so excited that I didn't even speak on mic just when I did our introduction just now. It's our very first Zoom. Yay! Yay! And we're welcoming a sweet, darling, wonderful... She's actually my long-lost adopted daughter, I want to say. That's how I refer to her. Please welcome to the podcast, Sherry Zinhorn. Thanks, Sherry. Hello. Hello. I think we can call you my my cool older sister. I don't think we have to go Well, mom stage. Well, okay. Even though I am old enough to be your mother, for sure. And I don't know if I'd use the adjective cool, but okay. (laughs) Sure, why not? Jan. Okay. Listen. Yeah. Yeah. Sherry lives in Portland and... Uh, just a little history, a little tiny history, if it's okay, Sherry. Sure. Okay. Sherry used to be married to Dean's younger brother. And when I met her, she was a mere slip of a thing, a 21-year-old maiden. 21 when I met you, nine, oh. you know, however long ago. Uh, I was yeah. still a virgin when I was 21. But anyway, go on. <laughs> I was. You've, I think you've, maybe you've been re-virginized. Yeah, I have. Point. Anyway. I have. That's um, Okay. So we were at Daryl's house and he's like, yeah, you know, I got, a, I got a girl here, whatever. We're like, okay, whatever. Sherry comes out of the bedroom, beautiful. And she goes, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Sherry. And then she, I'll never forget this as long as I live. She immediately starts to cut up a mango and an avocado. She was combining a mango and an avocado in like a citrusy kind of salsa type mm. of pico de gallo that moment. That sounds delicious. And I thought, who is this woodland creature, this young girl who is whipping up some fabulous huh. thing? I thought, I must know her. I have to get to know her. I think she's cool and she's a foodie. And I was right because this girl can cook. This girl can cook and she knows all the restaurants, any good restaurant in Portland. She, trust me, she's on that phone like, oh yeah, no, no, we did a, here's where we're going. This is, we used to go up and visit when they were married. We used to go up and visit. And now we go up and visit because she's married again to the love of her life, Laura. And Sherry and Laura live in a fabulous place in Portland area. We're not going to get specific. And they have a fabulous dog, Murphy. And Oh, Murphy. Do you have a cat still? No. We do, Mabel. Oh, yeah, Mabel. Murphy and Mabel. Yeah, Murphy and Mabel. Aww. Yeah. And she still, cause she, ha- she, she told me not to be afraid of smoking. She has a, a smoker. She's a cook. She's a great cook. Just a wonderful person. And so thank you for being on our podcast. And thank you for participating in our first Zoom. And the other thing is, when we went, when we went and visited Sherry recently in Portland this year, I got into her car and she has our podcast all queued up on Spotify. She listens to us. That's nice. I I listen to all your shows when they come out. Good, um, good to listen to in the car and would work. Yeah, Mark. Well, just for just for informative purposes, Dean doesn't listen to our podcast, and nobody in Jan's family except her older sister listens to the podcast. So, in a way, you're the only family member, being my adopted daughter and all. That listens to our podcast, and we really appreciate. Oh, my sister-in-law listens to my podcast. I, I, I don't even listen to the podcast. So <laughs> thank Jan, you. thank you. All right, so yeah. let's bitch about food for a minute because you're married to Laura, uh, mm-hmm. and I stood up at her wedding. Jan, I was the oldest bridesmaid in the history <laughs> <laughs> of bridesmaids. All these young, beautiful. I will, say, I will say though, with fair warning, that I was the youngest person up there. Everybody else was 
you know, a little bit older than me. So yeah, well, uh, the bridesmaids were all, you know, beautiful young girls. Uh-huh. And then there I was in my black dress, Aww. <laughs> my tights. You poor little thing. <laughs> oh, well. Trying to keep it, it together. Too. But yeah, but Doug was a man. Men can be groomsmen from up into their 90s. It doesn't matter. Anyway. It was How a, was the food? Phenomenal. Yeah. Come on. It's Sherry. I know. Sherry's going to have the best food ever. She was raised by, she was raised in a Jewish family. So I guess you consider yourself Jewish, right? If you're, if you, yeah, you're Jewish. And uh, so when you were growing up, because your mom, your mom and dad are, I love your mom and dad so much, uh, especially your mom is so funny, Zipporah. Um, She was a kind of a somnambulist. Uh, What's that? Well, she was like up all night. She was kind of one of these people that really kicked in at night, you know? Yeah. So when Sherry was little, you know, her mom was sort of like down for the count during the day and then at night she would kind of come alive when sherry was doing her homework and getting ready to go to bed her mom was just kind of getting started so did it ever dovetail with zip para with zip that she kicked in like around dinner time did she start did she cook did your mom cook no my mother doesn't cook anything (laughs) my mother can buy a roast chicken from the grocery store like nobody's business yeah, and the uh, the Chinese takeout place know knew her voice by, you know, she would call up and they would know exactly who she was every time. So. Well, that's part of. I think that's the eleventh commandment in the Jewish faith. Anyway, you've got to have that. You have so. to have a good Chinese place. Yeah, yeah. But did your dad cook? Does Herb cook? My dad, Herb cooks. He still cooks all of their meals today. But he was so busy when I was a kid that, you know, with his career, he wasn't around too much of the cooking. So. We did a lot of like thrown together things, a lot of like deli cold cuts, a lot of takeout, and then maybe like a home cooked meal sometime on the weekends. But somehow out of that though, you developed at a young age, because I knew you when you were a young age thing, you developed a passion for really good cooking, really good food, really interesting exploratory flavors. Like how how did that come about? How did you start cooking? Was it when you moved out on your own? No, I started early on. um, Like, my parents sent me to like cooking camps as a kid, and I always had interest in it. And I took over cooking dinners probably at like eleven or twelve. And really, I did Thanksgiving for the first time when I was like thirteen. And what? I just kind of rolled with it. Yeah. Wait, you're an only child, so so you Uh you took over cooking family meals at 11 and 12 and started cooking holidays in 13, 14? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's intense. <laughs> that really is intense. That's really intense. I think there are laws about that, actually. <laughs> I'm not sure. But I think so. I think so. I think you might have a case. But wait, I, you would come you know, home from yeah. school and well, who did the grocery shopping when you were young? Did you give your mom a list? Oh, mom didn't do the grocery shopping. Dad did the grocery shopping. Okay. What exactly did your mother do? <laughs> she played the piano beautifully. <laughs> okay. She's got long blonde hair like your mom, almost mm-hmm. exactly like your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. She is funny as fuck. Uh-huh. I love... She's genius as well, like genius level intelligence. Yeah. And- she's an art mm-hmm. appreciator. She's really funny. Got but it. She- but she didn't cook. She didn't shop. <laughs> she just... Okay. She hung out. She's been well taken care of in her life. Yes. Lucky her. Yes. How old's your mom? Uh, she is 73. Oh, so yeah. she's still young. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Sphinx chicken. Yeah, yeah. she is. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. All right. So, so you would give your dad a shopping list as a kid and he would shop and you'd come home from school and you'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to, did you like, I have to do some homework and then I'm going to start dinner. Yeah. It's super easy stuff like pastas and lasagnas and, you know, piece of salmon, things like that. I think I, I grew up with a lot of food network as well. So I just got ideas from those places. Talk about cooking camp for a minute. I've never even heard of cooking camp. Like you go away and you're just like in an immersive environment where you cook all the time. No, it was like a, it was like a day camp during summer. There's a, a gourmet shop right near my parents' house, which was way ahead of its time, you know, before Sir Latov got really big and it was all like high end cooking uh, equipment. And in the back they had a little kitchen and they gave cooking lessons to adults and they did kids cooking camp during the summertime. Oh, nice. So they were like, well, shit, we got to eat somehow. Let's get the kid in there. Maybe she can start cranking out the food in it. And it worked. <laughs> but it, it's, yeah. it seems like, and it's hard to tell by your demeanor via Zoom, but it seems as if it's something you enjoy doing. Was it? Or I love it. You do? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then that's why they sent you because you, you love doing yeah. it. Okay. And. And they humored me. There was probably some horrible things that I fed them over the years, especially when I was younger. But they always fostered whatever I was interested in. And this one, they just reaped the benefits of. Yeah. But now when you're now in your marriage with Laura, do you share the cooking duties? Does she cook? Um, she does. I'm probably the primary cooker. Um, she probably tries to cook a couple times a week sometimes, especially if I'm having a busy week. Um, she works from home, so it's a little bit easier and with me keeping office hours these days. But she does all the grocery shopping. I never go to the grocery store. Wow. She does everything. You just broke Jan's heart. Very... You just broke Jan's heart. Yeah. She hates grocery shopping. I hate going to the grocery store. She hates going to the grocery store. I really hate it. <laughs> Laura loves it. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, that's great. I love, love it. it too. I yeah. love walking down She'll the go. aisles. Mm-hmm. She'll go even when we don't really need much. She's like, you know, what's on sale, what looks good. Yeah. We have a very stocked pantry and fridge and the freezer fridge in the garage too. Yeah. Yeah. She and I are just exactly like that. I mean, you don't like it either. You don't like grocery shopping, do you? No. <laughs> I like grocery shopping at like pretty gourmet places. Right. Oh, exactly. Oh, oh. I'm talk with about, you. Wait, yeah. talk about that place that you took me to, Sherry. Okay. So we were in Portland. We, Dean and I went earlier in the year. She took me to a place. What's the name of that place up there? Uh, Provador Fine Foods. It was... And it's... It was amazing. It was like a gourmet shop that you... I mean, (laughs) cheeses and, and, and sauces and just jars of things and produce. The produce, it was absolutely... You would have fallen in love with it. It was a small place. It wasn't a huge grocery store, but it was curated like... It looked like a museum, but it was food. How do you spell the name? It's what's it called? A Provador Fine Foods. Probi- I think I'll butcher it if I try to spell it. Probador. Provador in yeah. Portland. Yeah. Un- okay. Unbelievable. Not Portland, Maine, but Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Yeah, and Got then it. she took me to a Vietnamese Vietnamese fried chicken place for lunch one day, just the two of us, because Dean was visiting his brother. His brother. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. But. Beyond that, let's talk about your job. Let's bitch about your job because in addition to being an ace cook and a great finder of fabulous restaurants, you are also in the food industry 
itself. And you have been for quite some time. Doing what? Um, so <laughs> currently, I'm a director of purchasing for a wholesale produce company here in the Portland area. Um, and Wholes- I've been in the, the produce side of things for about 17 years now. Yeah, produce. So like, you know, she has to deal with people calling her going, hey, man, where's my strawberries? Hey, these apples are bad. Hey, our crop is this. Hey, the crop is that. Hey, blah, blah. And during the pandemic, it was like, hey, we got no trucks. Hey, we got nothing. <laughs> we got nothing going on. I mean, your job is very, very stressful because it's dependent upon uh, seasons. It's dependent upon growers. You, you have to deal with truckers, farmers, store owners. I mean, how how do you even do what you do? It sounds impossible. And she just got back from a little conference in Anaheim and the tomato, was it the tomato growers? The tomato growers put on a big giant festival for all these people that do what she do. And they hired, uh, what's her name? Um, who was the singer? Gwen Stefani. Yeah, Gwen Stefani. Wow. Gwen Stefani. Can you imagine? Her agent calls her up and goes, hey, a bunch of tomato growers want you to perform. And she said, yes. You know, they must have coughed up some serious tomato growing money to get Gwen Stefani to sing at at a thing in Anaheim for a bunch of... I'll say. Yeah. How was she? She didn't go. I didn't go to to the concert. I had a dinner with a vendor that night. But yeah, one tomato and hothouse grower puts on a concert every year and it's different. Like big name acts each year. One tomato and hothouse grower. Maybe she got a a lifetime supply of really good tomatoes. No, I think she got like a lifetime supply of cash. Oh, is what maybe. She got. I don't know. <laughs> but wait a minute. So you're so you're like the middleman between the farm and the store, right? Is basically what or the or the restaurant, right? So you have to like fill orders. You have to anticipate. How do you even anticipate what people are gonna eat and buy, and how do you do it? Like, how do you figure it out? You know, I think, I think it's it's a little bit of crystal balling it on some things. Um, I think some things, you know, like the hardware items, apples, potatoes, onions, all those, you know, you can buy and, and hold for a while. More perishable things like berries and lettuce. Um, it's always a little bit of a crapshoot. You're rolling the dice all the time. We're I'm buying a dying commodity. It's been picked and it's off the bush and or tree, and you know we have to move it as quickly as possible. And markets fluctuate all the time. Little things can set it off. If it there's a hurricane in Florida that wipes out tomatoes there, the tomatoes in Mexico will go up in price. You know, Mother Mother Nature's not super happy with us all right now, so she's definitely throwing a lot of wrenches in everyone's seasons and, and so harvest. It, so it's not just weather in California. It's weather in Mexico, weather in South America, weather in other parts of the country that's all going to affect the timing of where these fruits and vegetables land at our in our grocery stores and at our in our tables and in our restaurants and you mm-hmm. know somehow I, I thought it was a little more localized than that but you really have to have like a, a almost like a, a a north and south american view of the entire weather system <laughs> in order to get keep your job in balance that's actually remarkable isn't it i mean I mean, I mean, you must have learned from somebody. You didn't. I mean, did you pick this up on your own, or did you have like a mentor who started when you started way back at the other produce people that we won't mention? You know, I had the ability to work with some really smart people who have been in it for many, many years. Some, you know, older folks that have since retired. But you also kind of learn as you go. There's nothing intuitive about it. You know, to learn a a commodity a full season is what you really have to get through, so you can see what the buying patterns are. 
for the entire year and you know stuff happens uh, i mean 2022 we had snow and ice in april and it shut down all of the apple trees right when bees were supposed to be pollinating and that affected the crop for the entire year to come yeah and l- stuff you just can't plan for and let's talk about the pandemic too because you know you're just tootling along do 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 and all of a sudden the world shuts down and you're like uh now what do i do i have like four thousand raspberries from somewhere what do we do like what did you do what happened what was the biggest challenge uh, the trucking yeah, supply chain was a big one. Um, trucking the port, especially like the port in Long Beach, so many container ships sitting out there and food was just rotting on them. Um, you know, think about bananas, pineapples, all those things come up on freight ships from South America and just sat out there. But I will say people in the food industry, if they were diversified and weren't only reliant on the restaurant industry, but folks that did a lot of stuff with grocery stores, made a lot of money during that time. Wait, what do you mean? You mean you mean people that worked with grocery stores cleaned up as opposed to restaurant because a lot of restaurants were going under, but everybody yep. but everybody had to grocery shop. Yep, everybody has to eat. So, did the people pivot the farmers pivot to pushing their wares more towards grocery chains rather than restaurants knowing that the restaurants weren't going weren't going to be offering? I think they did that. I think they um, pivoted towards um, CSA and food box programs. There was the USDA programs across the country that really helped people. Um, and then they got really creative with how they were supplying things. I was at a, a gourmet pasta making company this week and they supply a lot of restaurants, but they also have relationships with retailers. And when grocery stores couldn't get flour, they came to them and said, hey, can you package up bags of flour for me and we can sell it because we can't get it through our normal channels of distribution. Interesting. Isn't it, in, in many ways, doesn't it seem like the pandemic was like 100 years ago and yet it really wasn't that long ago? And what do you, are you still feeling after effects from the pandemic now in your business or has it pretty much gone back to what it was before the pandemic? I think it's gone back. I think we're just um, having to change how we buy um and demands are a little bit different than they were during that time. Um, I think cost of goods has gone up significantly and people are still kind of a little bit more mindful of how they're spending their dollars. Well, let's talk about that. Be a little bit. Let's talk about that. Why is food so fucking expensive? Why is everything so much more expensive than it used to be? Costs a lot to grow things. Uh, you guys are in California. You know the water issues there. Uh, land costs. A lot of farmers don't even own their own land. They lease land from other people. So there's all these incurred fees, including, you know, the cost of fertilizer up, what is it, 300% now? There's just all these charges that have just been added on to growers and it affects the cost of goods at the end. So who is making the money? Yeah. Who at the end of the day is really making money? That's a good question. Yeah, where's the um, money? I think grocery stores, I think grocery stores are making money. I think they um, are not necessarily, they're making plenty on their margins right now, I would say, and um, not flexing to help growers if there's a, a large crop of something, they're not adjusting their retails to push more product. They're keeping it high and they're you know, reaping the benefits of the high margins and, and money in their wallet. Because during the pandemic, they were able to jack up the prices because things were actually in short supply. 
And then after the pandemic, when things weren't as in short supply, they were like, well, what are we looking to lower the prices for? Let's just people paid it during the pandemic. So let's just pay it now. Is that kind of right? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I think so. And I, and I think people know if, if you're somebody who likes avocados, are you going to buy an avocado if it's $2 or if it's $3? You're still going to buy it. If it's a, a staple of your household, they're still going to pay for it. Yeah, but the difference between 2 and $3 doesn't seem like all that much. But if 50 people come in and buy avocados at $3, that adds up for the grocer a lot. But it's kind of depressing that the money at the end of the day, the grower of the avocado isn't really making any more money. It's the corporations mm-hmm. that, again, are making the money. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. the part that's depressing to me. It's like, yeah. wow. Yeah. So you just, you, you're just that greedy. And it's like, well, yes, they're yeah. just that greedy. Even with food. Even with wow. food. Do you see prices coming down at all, ever? Or I no. wouldn't think so. No. No, I don't think so. I would have answered that for you too. But what no. <laughs> but what about restaurants? <laughs> what about restaurants? Like now, uh, you know, grocery stores are one thing, but restaurants, we used to be able to go out and eat a meal and not, you know, spend a hundred bucks for two people. Why are restaurants pinching? So why, why is it so expensive to go eat out right now? Is it the same reason? I think it's, I think it's the same reason. And then you, same thing, you add labor onto that, you add just the other cost of doing business in terms of rents and things like that. You know, if the restaurants make a profit, they gotta, they gotta get somewhere. Yeah. I think it's interesting that that what you're talking about is, you know, food, farm, truck, restaurant, grocer, all that, all that, the liaison between all of that. That's not something that, you know, we talk about AI, you know, and everybody's so freaked out about AI. I don't see AI really able to take over that. AI can't get in there and grow food, you know? They can talk about what food. They can get in there and harvest it, though. Yeah. But that's already happened, though, hasn't it? It's happening, yeah. 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 You know, picking picking and palletization and warehouses is done by robots. I've been in a couple, um, like, apple and pear packing sheds where they'll just send the order in and a robot will pull it, palletize it, and have it ready to be thrown on your truck when it gets there. Well, that's freaky, isn't it? Yeah. The idea. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the holidays coming up. Thanksgiving is coming, and I'm filled with gratitude now. It's my new. It's the new me. I'm no longer dreading Thanksgiving. I'm, It'll last five minutes. I'm, I'm happy. Enjoy, enjoy her moment of gratitude. <laughs> five minutes. Sherry's my daughter. She understands me. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, okay. what's happening for Thanksgiving? Are you cooking? Younger sister. But anyway, go on. Of course, of course. It's, this is my Olympics. This is what I train for all year round. Sucker, sucker. Okay, so how I many, love it. Yeah, I know. How many people are you having? Laura? The, the, um, Laura, um, Laura's daughter, Anna, Anna's partner, Casey, and then Brian, our granddaughter. Yeah, the granddaughter. Yeah, the little apple so, of your eye. So what is your Thanksgiving feast consists of? The usual, I'm guessing, but... So turkey. Um, we do mac and cheese, stuffing, potatoes, and- green beans... Homemade rolls, and then nobody's really a pumpkin pie fan in our house, so it's some sort of kind of rotating dessert option. When Sherry came to, when Sherry was uh, between marriages, she came down to my house for Thanksgiving, and she said to me, "I have one request, and that's a green bean casserole. That's part of my family tradition." Yum. And yum, really? I love a green bean casserole. Okay. Uh, uh-huh, so I, I had never. Catherine, Catherine judged me a little. No, I didn't. Did I? Did I judge you? I so. No, I didn't yeah. mean to. Anyway, 
Uh, no, you were very fragile. I would never have done that. But I judged myself because I was like, fuck, I don't know how to make a green bean casserole. My mother was anti-casserole, as you know. So I'm like looking at all these recipes and I went and I bought a special rack for my oven so that I could put three things in at once, my stuffing, my potatoes and my green beans. And I got the crunchy onions and it turned out pretty, I have to say, it wasn't bad. I mean, I never had it again, but it was pretty, pretty damn good. No, I didn't judge you. Did I? Once a year. That's all I want. So oh, really? Do you do the cream of, <laughs> cream of mushroom soup? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole, with the, yeah. Yeah. The whole nine so yard thing. When my mother used to make that, the, the key to it was with the, the French style cut green beans. Oh, like they, what do they call those? Hericourt Vert? They were, I, I don't, it's just French style. I have to ask my mother, but that was the key. You couldn't get any other kind of green bean to make that. It had to be that green bean. Interesting. And frozen. It was frozen because you're making it in the winter. So we never had fresh, I was in Kentucky, so we never had fresh vegetables to do it, but it was delicious. And then, mm-hmm. you know, my job every year was to go, because we had two ovens, one, and they were far away from each other. So out in the other room, it was my job to put it underneath the broiler for the five minutes to brown the onion, the the fried crispy onion rings from the can that you poured on top of it. And and one year I burnt them. <laughs> Tell the story but, of the time your mom dropped the turkey. Was I think that? that was my dad. Oh, your dad dropped the turkey. I think then my dad dropped the turkey. Yeah. yeah. I was filming that year. I was making a home movie. I had compiled a lot of different film footage and that was the year I was filming. And my mother and father together, they were d- divorced or separated, one or the other at this point. But she was, you know, don't, Arnold, you'll ruin it if you do it like that. <laughs> Shut up, Francis. I know how to do that. You know, so so loving to one another. Anyway, happy yeah. holidays. And I just remember when, the year I was filming, he pulled it out and she's telling him not to do it that way. And sure enough, the whole thing just falls right on the floor. Oh, my God. And then I film it and they just pick it right back up and we ate it. Yep, exactly. Just like that. Five second rule. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, it's very funny. Exactly. It sounds like that movie, um, Home for the Holidays. We yeah, that with Holly Hunter. Exactly. Yeah. That okay. was what I called my little short film, Home for the Holidays. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Well, maybe, maybe we'll upload some clips of that on the website someday. But uh, I'll have to. You should upload the turkey. Yeah, that would be falling. funny. Yeah, that would be funny. Yeah. Um, okay, so you started cooking Thanksgiving at thirteen. What did you do? You remember uh-huh. your first Thanksgiving meal, cooking it? Because that's kind of a yeah. big deal. Was it? I mean, yeah. how did it? How did it turn out? Probably not as good as obviously they are these days, but you know, pretty basic veggies, potatoes. Um, I remember we always had yams at my parents' house in some form or fashion. Um, I think probably with marshmallows on it, like what you think a thirteen-year-old <laughs> Thanksgiving would be. <laughs> what but, about? Uh, yeah, and then we we evolved, and then we got into uh, deep frying turkeys because growing oh. up in Arizona, the weather is lovely, so you can just go outside in November and. Do them on the deep fryer without any like weather issues. Come on, you actually got a deep turkey deep fryer with that fucking hook and all that oil and all that shit. Yeah, yeah, still has it in the garage. And half the time, it, you know, everything gets coated with oil and it all goes on fire. Like that makes me We've so. We've never had any fires. That makes me. George so, Clooney used to do that. How was the deep fried turkey? Is it good? It was delicious. Yeah. Yeah. He used to do that. He used to talk about his Thanksgiving dinners at his house in the Valley in L.A., how he had everybody over and it was a deep fried turkey. George Clooney deep fried a turkey? He deep fried a turkey. This is before Amal, clearly. 
clearly. <laughs> and Ma's not going to be sitting around waiting for some turkey to be in the deep fryer. I don't think so. But you never know. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Oh, my God. All right. Wait. So, so what about like other holidays? Did that, when you were a kid, did that morph into doing the Passover moment, the Yom Kippur, the this? Did you do like the Jewish holiday food too? Christmas dinner? No, no it was really... Well, Christmas dinner in the Jewish household was always Chinese food in a movie, which was the only things that were open. There was never any cooking that happened in our house on Christmas. But um, no, it's like I said, Thanksgiving is my Olympic. That's that's what I strive for. And yeah. besides that, you know, and cooking day to day meals. It's all, really the it's all about the timing. Okay, so like, what's do you? All right, you know me and my Excel spreadsheets. Do you plan? Does yeah? Do you plan? Do you plan your uh, food? Not to. Not to the level that you plan yours. Um, She's being very diplomatic. So you're not mentally ill. <laughs> Noted. Jan. Um, I do do the same thing you do. Like when all the serving trays have like a little piece of paper in it. So you know what dish is going to go into which serving vessel. Um, but again, we do the same thing really year after year. No, no. I, I'm talking I, about, I'm talking about the weekly meals. Like, do you plan your weekly. weekly meals? Do you plan what you're going to cook? What are you talking about? You mean you give Laura a general shopping list and then you come home and you just improvise? Or she goes, hey, I got a really good deal on this. Or I got some fish. I need to do some chicken. There's some chicken building up in the freezer. Use that. And then I'll usually grab veggies from work. Oh. We do a lot of just simple meat and, you know, meat and a side. It's a pretty standard dinner for us. So you can get up off of your chair at your desk and walk down a hallway and open up some door to a warehouse and there is basically a giant farmer's market, right? Mm -hmm. That burns mm -hmm. my ass, Jan. That's pretty nice. That's awesome. Sounds like a stressful job, but that's a nice perk. It sounds like a stressful job, but that is a nice perk. And you can take whatever you want. I can. So I, the company I'm working for now, I've been there for about a year and a half and they're a great family-owned company. They take really good care of their employees. So they give us you know, rain of the fruits and veggies that we want. They even buy like, they sent out a spreadsheet this year. Do you, they'll give you a turkey or a ham for Thanksgiving. So your choice, which one you want. So what? Nice, nice environment. Mm -hmm. What are you taking the ham? No, we can do turkey. Yeah. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Why would she take the ham? Because she's going to buy the turkey and then she can have a turkey and a ham. She eats pork. You eat I pork. You eat I eat pork, but I wasn't raised with it. Okay, well, so what? You still yeah. eat it. I do. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, but if you if you come home every night after work during the week and Laura has a bunch of stuff that, you know, meat and fish and stuff, you just kind of wing it? Like you just figure out mm -hmm. what you, yeah, you don't, yeah. Yeah, she'll ask me like the day before, like, what do you want me to take out to defrost? And then we'll do, we'll do a little bit of planning. Like today, I'm a, Roasted chicken, half of it's going to be like 11 rosemary chicken, and then the other half will just be roasted for chicken enchiladas for the next couple nights. Yeah. So we'll do a couple things that at least provide some leftovers because I am the leftover cleanup crew at our house. I take them for lunch. And oh, I have to tell that story. I have to tell this. This is my one of my favorite Sherry Thanksgiving stories. So, the year that she came down for Thanksgiving when I made the green bean casserole, um, I said to her, Well, okay, the carcass was sitting on the 
on the kitchen counter, you know, how when you're done, you know, yeah. you know, you take all the meat off and you put it in a thing. And I said, okay, there's the carcass. I said, I, I don't save my carcass. I don't make broth. I don't do any of that shit. I just throw it away. She goes, oh, okay. Well, Sherry goes, well, there's still some meat on here. You want me to try and get the rest of it off? I'm like, there's no meat left on there. And I go, okay, whatever you want to do. Okay. So she started on that carcass and she picked that carcass to a skeleton of a carcass. Like when I throw away the carcass, it's like half, there's like meat on it. I don't give a shit. I just cut off the stuff that I want to eat and put it in the bag. No, I noticed that. Wasteful. Yeah. There was a pile. I mean, a pile mm -hmm. of meat. And the carcass looked like something from museum dinosaur bone. Like Dean, even Dean walked out. He goes, what the fuck? He goes, look at this carcass. It's perfectly, it looked like it had been dunked in acid. You picked it absolutely <laughs> clean as a whistle. We had so much fucking turkey because she picked the carcass clean. I've never, I think of you every year when I look at the carcass. I'm like, how on earth did she do it? How did she do it? It was unbelievable. You were so thorough and perfect with that carcass cleaning. It was unbelievable. Do you, do you still, do you? pick the carcass now or do you still just throw it away i still just throw it away i can't be bothered i would i would like to pick at her carcass ain't nobody got time for because, that because because frankly it's wasteful I, i'm always like that's a lot of meat on that bird still well, go ahead and pick at it i, I might do I, a ain't little nobody picking. got time for that like I that think girl i'll doesn't. do a little picking i'm gonna do some <laughs> in your honor laura this year sherry. i'm going to i mean sherry her, her wife's name is laura that's I'm okay sorry i'm old yeah she is mm. Whatever. Yeah, in your honor, Sherry, Jan is going to do some carcass picking because yeah, I am. it's it was unbelievable. I have never, <laughs> and I mean, I mean, it was great because I had a shitload of turkey that I just popped in the freezer and pick out from time to time. Yeah, no, but what I pick, I keep. Oh, well, there you go. That's fine. That's, yeah. That's fair. What I pick, I'm keeping. I'm having a honey-baked ham here this year. I'm having 11 people, so I'm having a honey-baked ham, She's too. She's having my family, basically. That's fine. I don't care about that. Yeah. And some friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but wait a second. So let's talk about... Okay, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about leftovers, and I want to talk about meat. So are you a leftovers family? Like, can you say to Laura, hey... Uh, I made this stew or I made this thing and we're going to eat that for the next two or three nights. Is Laura down with that? I can probably get one uh, outside of the initial eating. We can probably get one more meal into Laura. Beyond that, she's, she's out. Okay. And then I usually eat it for like two or three lunches. Yeah. Well, you know, the Deanster is anti-leftover. So I am sort of whatever I have to cook for the two of us and no leftovers, which is kind of tough, but whatever. Let's talk about the meat. The difference, though, is that she'll eat casseroles and soups and stews, so if I make a bunch, I can I freeze stuff right off the get-go. Okay, so then you can feed her next... A, a later time. That's yeah. good. Okay. All right, now let's talk about meat. So, you know, we're... I'm friends with people who are really embracing the plant-based lifestyle, and I'm friends with people who aren't embracing the plant-based lifestyle. Um, it's a... Definitely a balance of people. What what are you thinking in terms of like the future? Like, do you envision yourselves, you and Laura, going into a plant based thing as you get older and as meat becomes more exorbitantly expensive, or are you pretty adhered to the whole meat thing? I think right now we're probably adhered to the meat thing. Um, who knows down the road? My best friend is vegan and. I done, I've done some cooking for her and some, I catered her wedding shower and I'm familiar with it. And I think we incorporated a little bit, but we're still firmly on the meat side of the fence. 
Let's talk about the catering, the wedding shower for a vegan. How did you, what did you make? Well, it's things that you don't really realize are vegan. Puff pastry is vegan. So we did like puff pastry pinwheels and how is puff pastry, hummus. how is puff pastry vegan when it's made with butter? Read the back of the Petri- Pepperidge Farm puff pastry. It's vegan. Really? Is it made with shortening? Yeah, I think it is. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, and then I did like cashew pimento cheese finger sandwiches and, you know, went a little bit out of the box. Fruits, veggies, dips like that, but made some finger sandwiches. Picked up some great vegan cupcakes from her favorite bakery. And, you know, it was only for about 15, 20 people, but just a little finger foods for an afternoon get-together. Yeah, just a little finger food, Jan. Some cashew this and some that. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it was like this unbelievably fantastic spread. She's underselling. I want to go to her house for Thanksgiving. <laughs> you really do. I do. Yeah, you really do. I do. I want that green bean casserole. <laughs> I'm not making... I'm, I have so much food Maybe, lined up. Should I make something? If you want to make a green bean casserole, go nuts. Maybe I'll make it. I'm typing up my cards this week to put it places, so you better let me know. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, it's the recipe. Um, I have the recipe. I kept it. It's her recipe. I have it. You have it? Yeah. All right. Okay, Sherry, never mind. Of course mind. I kept I'll get it. it from her. I put it in my Google Docs. Give me, it's, email me that or, or give it to me, whatever. I thought you were bringing salad. I can do both. Okay. Wow, don't strain yourself. Don't worry, I won't. <laughs> but you are going to be picking that carcass clean. I am. What about sugar? Are you guys into sugar? Um, I'm into sugar. So I stopped drinking alcohol probably close to three years ago. And I feel like my sugar cravings went through the roof when I did that. So candy and things like that have become higher on my list of yummies. What about Laura? Is she into sugar? Um, not as much. Um, you know, she's a sucker for like a really good cookie, like a chocolate chip, like a freshly baked chocolate chip cookie or peanut butter cookies. I don't think um, I've ever talked about your baking. Are you a baker? Do you bake? Do you make cakes and bread and cookies and stuff? Are you a baker? Um, not so much into cakes. Um, well, I should say that I do Brian's birthday cake every year and she always wants some sort of like elaborate, like she wanted a cake, like a corgi last year. This year she wants a Highland cow. So I do some (laughs) cake for her. Oh my God. A Highland cow cake. Uh huh. How do you find that on Pinterest? How to do it? Yeah. Just Google it. and You know. Cardboard pieces for ears. Oh, God. Nightmare. So wait, you gave up drinking, I'm sorry, three years ago? Mm -hmm. Good for you. That's good. Good for you. Yeah, I think think during the pandemic, I relied on it a little too much and needed to back away. And yeah, now it's three years. And good for you. I really imagine it any other way and have fun with mocktails and um, they, the Pacific Northwest is a bunch of non-alcoholic companies coming out, so spirits and beers and ciders all done locally on the non-alcoholic side of things. Yeah, there's really a food and beverage thing in Portland that is really extraordinary. We've had some fantastic meals at your hand. That one place, Laurel, the Laurelhurst Market which I think is still around, Laurelhurst Market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they branched out and they have a bunch of other restaurants too. I mean, just really good, really phenomenally good food up there. I wonder why Portland is such a foodie 
town in a way. Like, you know, I would never think of Portland as being like a foodie town, but it is. It really is. Is it because it's got so much accessibility to fresh fish, let's say, and fresh produce because there's agro up there? Yeah, I think I think we're pretty well positioned for all sorts of ag and other kind of purveyors. Um, also, Portland's a town of crafters and we're also very uh, like anti-corporate, like not a ton of chain restaurants, a lot of small restaurants that do maybe one or two things really great. And that's what they're known for. And um, people seek them out and kind of flock to some of these smaller establishments. So, yeah. What about the baby? What about Bryony? She's not really a baby anymore. Is she? No, she's going to be 12. Oh my God. I can't believe it. Okay. So is she, is she, first of all, is she fussy? Is she a fussy eater? Yeah. Is she? Absolutely. <laughs> but she's so cute. Who cares? She, she's starting to get better. She's starting to get better. I mean, for the longest time, it was cheese pizza and chicken fingers or nuggets yeah. or whatever you're going to call them. <laughs> I'm with her. Um, <laughs> she'll, she's gotten into some tacos now. You know, I've made some like Alfredo, like real Alfredo sauces for her. So she's trying more, but she's she's heavy on the cheese pizza cheese kind of things. Does, yeah. she, does she help you? Oh, go ahead. Does she know when she turns 13, she'll be making Thanksgiving the way you do? <laughs> Is she aware? That's hilarious. We'll all, we'll all go hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go. Come on, kid. I did it. You can certainly yeah. do it. Chop, chop. Oh, my God. But wait a minute. Is she? Do you think she takes an interest in cooking? Would she ever... Does she ever help you or watch you or observe you or? She'll occasionally like help more with like baking projects yeah. than anything. But um, outside of that, no, she's not showing interest in it. Um, her mom doesn't show too much in the kitchen either. Oh, really? Um, not where her strong starts lay either. So, um, Isn't that interesting? Yeah, How? Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Now, what are Herb and... What are Herb and Zipporah doing now that you're living far away on your own? <laughs> what did they revert back to their old ways of Chinese takeout and hoping for the best? Like, what are um, they eat? What are well, they eating? Well, since Dad retired, he has more time now. But they eat pretty pretty healthily. My mom's diabetic, um, oh. so they could definitely watch their sugars and stuff. But again, like chicken, fish, um, vegetables. Mom can cut up veggies for a salad, no problem. Aha, she is um, cooking. I <laughs> she, knew it. She can she can assemble. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they eat really, you know, pretty simply and, you know, still do takeout probably two or three times a week, but. Now, when your grandma was alive, she just recently passed. God, uh -huh. re God rest her soul. Uh, when she was raising your mom and her sister, did she do traditional cooking? I seem to think that your grandma did a lot of cooking. Oh yeah, and grandma kept kosher. Uh, she was a survivor. She wasn't she a survivor? Wasn't she a Holocaust survivor? Yeah, yeah. She was in Auschwitz. Okay. Oy, in so, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so no, grandma kept kosher until you know it got harder for her in her in her late. She passed at ninety three, so probably in her mid eighties, she kind of let it go and just kind of made sure she could feed herself but she cooked all the time you know my mom tells stories that she would come home from school and there was a carp swimming around in the bathtub for shabbat dinner and um, <laughs> I, I related to jan's story about when the suitcases would come and there would just be food and the suitcases yeah. brought to us oh yeah in yeah. arizona because there's no at the time really no good food in arizona 
Um, but like all the pastries and everything was just in a suitcase brought to us when she would come when I was a child. When she was a child, when you were a child, she lived in New York, right? Or Florida? Um, New York and then Florida. Yeah. So she would bring all the East Coast stuff in a suitcase to yeah. Arizona yeah. for her mom. I yeah. bet she did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was or it she'd cu- bake it and she'd bring yep. like cookies Bobka. and pastries and stuff. Yeah. Was, mm-hmm. were her, did she call them valises and were they covered in plastic? <laughs> She did not call them valises, but uh, they were they were still impeccably kept. Yeah, um, no plastic on top of them, but everything was. Um, I think coming from her background of being a survivor, anything she had, she took perfect care of. Yeah, and it looked like it was brand new, even if she'd had it for fifty years. Yeah, I forgot she wasn't. I mean, I didn't forget, but I mean Auschwitz. My what? God. How old was she when she was in in the camp? Uh, I think she was taken when she was fourteen or almost fifteen. Okay. Well, and then she made it to Israel after the camps. My mother was born in Israel, um, and then they all immigrated to the States mid-50s. Wow. Got it. So when she kept kosher, what are you talking about? Two stoves, two fridges, two everything? Or did she just follow Uh, the general dietary rules? She kept one fridge, but separate dishes and um, silverware for each. Okay. And yeah, separate dishes, yeah. So, and then no, obviously no pork. You can't eat pork and no shellfish. No. Right. And you can't mix meat and dairy. But I bet mm-hmm. she made great food. Did you ever eat your grandma's food? Did you ever eat anything she made? Like besides her pastries that oh, she brought? I, I remember her like stuffed cabbage, her chicken soup, you know, kasha varnishkas. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, not a fa- I'm not a fan of kasha varnishka, but I chicken. Am. Okay. I love that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yum. Maybe that's where you got a little seedling of, of wanting to cook because your grandma was such a cook. Did she make good like latkes and stuff? Latkes, matzo balls. But again, I remember calling her once when I was probably in my 20s being like, how do you make your matzo balls? And she couldn't like tell me how to make them. She's like, well, you just do it. And I was like, oh, yeah. Help me. <laughs> yeah. When you got out on your own. Yeah. Interesting, mm-hmm. huh? Oh my God! This is so well. Rich. Those those cooks never they it's they didn't really have recipes. They just sort of mm-hmm. knew what you know how they just did it. Yeah. yeah, and she kept it all alive. I mean, she kept it alive during the you know <clears throat> she kept the memory of her childhood alive during her incarceration. And then when she got out, she was like, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that tradition alive and keep going," which really is a huge testament to her to her strength and stuff. But do you worry about like, like when my mom got older, feeding herself, it became like a little arduous, like at least your mom and dad are still together so they can sort of look out for each other. But it's like, as people age, as parents age, especially when they're far away, it's like, what are you guys going to do for food? Because you have to freaking eat. You have to eat, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? I know. um, I'm on the campaign to get my parents to move closer yeah. to us. Yeah. You know, we've we've even tossed around the idea of doing like a multi-generational house or, you know, finding a piece of property that could have, you know, two homes on it. Because um, I think it's important for them to be close by. We dealt with that with my grandmother. She was in Florida. My mother's in Arizona. My mother's one sister was in New York. Everybody tried to manage care long distance and it got really difficult and hard on everybody. Impossible. Yeah. Uh, but they don't want to leave Arizona, though. That's the problem, right? There's some stubborn, stubborn people. Well, they don't want to move to the Pacific Northwest where it rains like 400 days a year. And they like their Arizona heat. 
Well, there's heat yeah. and there's heat, but Arizona's getting to be a little ridiculous. Yeah, and the water shortage, speaking of water in Arizona, is only going to get worse in Arizona. It's so. like 120 degrees every day now in yeah. Arizona. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, they, they went to the extent because of the heat and like rolling power outages. They put in, they had a generator put in, like a gas line generator put in in case they lose power that they'll stay cool and they style it as like a protective um like action in case anything happens with the excessive heat that's going on down there. Ooh, good for them. Good that's for smart. them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so f- before we let you go, thank you for doing this again, for taking time out of your Sunday. Before we let you go, um, I want to touch base with you as to where to get the best produce. A long time ago, you said to me, go to Costco. They get the best produce of anybody. Is that still true? Last time I went to Costco, I looked at the produce. I was like, eh. What do you think? I think I think it still is. I think freshness wise, they're good. You guys live in California is such a mecca for agriculture. All your farmers markets are great places. I don't think you're necessarily gonna save money going to a farmer's market no. over going to a grocery store. But if you're talking about fresh and, and available, you guys are really set up with your, your local markets there. Yeah. Where can we roll out of bed and get in our car and drive to without spending a thousand dollars and get fresh produce? Is it, I mean, our Ralph's our Costco, whatever. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, listen, I would say if you can get, save money, eat, eat as seasonally as you can eat. Don't buy stuff that's imported from across the world. Really? Get better tasting stuff too. Yeah. Even South America. Yeah. You know, eat, eat blueberries in blueberry season. Don't eat blueberries in January. Yeah. Whatever tastes as good. I know. It's yeah, true. Catherine. Okay. Oh, Jan came up with a melon. This was like a year ago. What was the orange? Orin? It was like an Israeli melon that you're Yeah, guy... it was an Israeli melon. Omen, Oren, Omen something. It was some melon that starts with an now. O. It was delicious. It was so good. It was It was like a, it, it was yellow, So, but it was sweeter than a honeydew. Yeah. And you had to refrigerate it and eat it cold, cold. It was like or it was like Orin or something like that. O R E Omen or something like that. But somehow her mom found like an Israeli guy at the farmers market who was telling her all about it, and they they bought it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Her mom had her mom has like a homing pigeon instinct for food too, which is really funny. Like she can just find the best food anywhere that's going on anytime. Or she'll tell you it's the worst. This is, <laughs> this is shit. This is just shit. I hear that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that note, yeah. thank you again, my dear daughter, fake daughter. Have a wonderful, lovely Thanksgiving. I'm sure I'll be calling you during the day going, help me. And you can talk me down. And you've inspired Jan to make a green bean casserole. You have. And to pick the carcass clean. Yep. Pick a turkey. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. We love Thanks you. you Thank me. you. It's good to Thanks. see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.